Welcome to the Holy Smokes Podcast, a show about faith, friendship, fine tobacco and drink. I'm Steve Ryder, and we are at the Conclave in Paul's backyard, and I have Holy Smokes Orlando in the house, Eric Reinhold and Andrew Lawson. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank Thank you. All right, first question, what you smoking? All right, well, uh, I'm smoking a Toronto Noventa, medium body, getting a uh, hint of barnyard. I don't know. Uh, and uh, I'm pairing it with Samuel Smith's organic chocolate stout, so that's actually uh, helping it quite a bit. So. <laughs> How about you, Andrew? I am smoking a CAO Brasilia, which is only going to be important if you ask me where I was born. So uh, that, and I'm pairing it with something my wife handed me a few moments ago in the bourbon category. <laughs> and I have a San Cristobal Ooh, good call. Revelation. So he's gifted to me, and I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I'm about two-thirds of the way through, and I like nice. it. It's a good stick. So, Orlando, tell me about, you know, the group, how you guys got into Holy Smokes, that kind of stuff. I met Kay at a New Canaan Society NCS conference. Okay. And there was only seven or 800 other cigar smokers that evening. <laughs> and I think three or four, five, six points of connection later, we were fast friends. Yeah. And then involved in a men's ministry in the Orlando area that also used cigars as a prop to have conversations with those that would not normally attend a men's event or a church event. Yeah. So that's the genesis of it there. Yeah. I met Kay about three years ago at a small little cigar shop in uh, Winter Park. And uh, he made the mistake of saying, next time you're in Colorado, you can stay at my place. So two months later, I was out here seeing clients. I showed up at his doorstep. You know, the rest is history, so we've been good friends ever since. So, how did you guys start your chapter there in Orlando? What sorts of ways do you guys have of connecting with people and communicating with them? How regular are you guys meeting? That kind of stuff. We're pretty regular. Once a month at least. Yeah. And there's some other kind of impromptu things that happen. Uh, It's not uncommon that folks just happened yesterday. Some guy says, I'll be in Orlando next month. And we'll usually throw that up on our little page. But there's a great cigar community already outside of the Holy Smokes thing. And, Corona uh, there. Corona Cigar, three locations. I'm in bustling Sanford, Florida, which is a tiny little town to the north yeah. that boasts in its downtown historic district three cigar shops. Okay. So I have five within five-mile radius of where I'm at. And so that's not complicated. And I know Eric's had a cigar habit for a while, so uh, we've had a couple times where the tracks have crossed. So, Yeah, we basically since 2014, just for business, I've had cigar and whiskey events, have clients, have them bring friends of theirs, and so I started doing that in about 2017, Holy Smokes is when I that came on the scene for me. So we started having this crossover, and I'd start inviting guys from Holy Smokes to come with nice. everybody else. And nice. It's actually been pretty cool where I'd have wholesalers that would pick up the cost for the events, for my events. Yeah. But these wholesalers that show up, they don't know Jesus from you know, the back of a barn. And, yeah. um, but every guy there was a believer. And so it actually had a pretty big impact on them. So in, in a way, it was you know, kind of a ministry to these guys are trying to pitch me to sell their funds. So. so I see you guys meeting often at Corona. Where else do you guys meet? You know, we've, I've seen some events at your backyard, right on the lake. I guess we've had, unfortunately, I guess through you know the coronavirus issue, we had a great place that moved from Winter Park 
over to Bellicosa, moved over to Mills Avenue and built a, just a tremendous cigar bar. And it was epic. A couple weeks ago, you know, they announced that they were shuttered under. So they started to move up to the Executive and a couple other places that are near to Drew. Yeah. So Sanford has one called the Executive Lounge. Our next event on September 10th is going to be there. And we're bringing in Norm Hooten of Hooten Young Cigars. So uh, we're excited to hear his story. He's a 29-year Green Beret Special Ops Major League door kicker that uh, is actually went on to continue his education and is now working at the VA in Orlando yeah. with vets and PSDDs particularly. Nice. So, so Andrew, tell us a little bit about your story. Where do you want to start? Born at an early age <laughs> in the jungles of the Amazon of Brazil. Ah, hence Brazilian. Hence Brasilia. CAO. Então eu falo português se você quiser. So my parents were uh, Scottish missionaries from the Glasgow Clyde side of Scotland. Yeah. And my dad's uh, training was shipbuilding. So he did church planting and river work in the early years. My older sister, myself, my younger brother, all born and raised there. And the interesting connection is coming to the U.S. Initially trying to pursue aviation. Yeah. Any of the bush pilots is what we call them that were doing yeah. work in the Amazon of Brazil. Moody aviation was a thing back then. And so my mom is a Scottish missionary. And when she heard tuition free, that was all she needed to know. <laughs> and uh, signed my application. And next thing you know, I'm going to Chicago, Illinois. How much of a culture shock was that for you? Oh, it's cats and dogs. It was very, very different. <laughs> Not only weather, but also Correct. culturally. Correct. So my move to Orlando, Florida was to try and get back to something more tropical, more familiar. Yeah. So when did you move to Orlando? In 94. Okay. So I finished up. I did not do any aviation. In fact, Moody was unique to kind of do one of these aptitude test type things. And, and it discovered that I was not a fit for that. And I was not going to commit to do, you know, aviation yeah. in some far-flung place. So that was kind of the first revelation of that. Ended up doing, believe it or not, photography. I did a, a multimedia and uh, wanted to set up a media house, a media agency for work directly with mission organizations and mission agencies. And the Orlando pick was absolutely to get out of Windy City. And secondly, I kind of pictured it geographically convenient to jump off to the South America, Caribbean, or Africa, or pick a place in terms of being able to do media work. Yeah. And I've been doing employee benefits for the last 24 years, so again, I didn't necessarily pursue that. How'd you get into that? First couple that we met when we kind of moved into the Orlando area. She was a district manager, and what was appealing to me at that time was the fact that I was going to get a lot of autonomy to do what was important to me. Yeah. Very plugged into teaching 10th grade high school boys and a lot of the freedom in my schedule was the big appeal. Nice. And I still enjoy that to this day so we can disappear at 4 o'clock and <laughs> meet up for a cigar, right Eric? <laughs> How about you Eric? Grew up in uh, Miami, Florida and probably one of the pivotal points uh, grew up in the church but I um, ended up having a football coach from Navy that came down and uh, didn't know anything about the military academies or anything, but he said he was from Navy. Ended up going up for a visit, kind of, you know, fell in love with it. They offered me a full ride there, so went to the academy, played football there. What position? Defensive end, and 
as an economics major, I struggled mightily through engineering. Yeah. Uh, barely made it through, but you know, graduated. Uh, went in the supply corps, so I did food money on my ship that I was stationed on out of Mayport, Florida. And I actually went back to the academy as the legitimate uh, financial advisor, which kind of led me to what I do now is you know, in financial advisor role. But my wife and I dated in high school, so we married a week after graduation. We've been married 32 years. Congratulations. Yeah, so that's awesome. And we ended up, you know, because we were both from Miami, we didn't want to go back there. It had changed quite a bit from the 70s and 80s, but we ended up coming back to Jacksonville for about a year just because we were familiar from being there in Mayport. And then um, an offer through uh, Ron Blue and Company, uh, Christian Financial Planning Group yep. uh, out of Orlando, got me down to Orlando a year later. And so we've been there ever since. And now you're independent. Right? Uh, yeah, I was with them for four years. Great training, worked with a lot of cool professional athletes, all sorts of people. But yeah, broke off after four years, started my own business at that point, and been doing that ever since. And it's, you know, just like Drew, it's kind of that type of lifestyle and, and uh, job choice really leads itself to have a lot of free time. So, um, you know, we've been able to, uh, you know, just do quite a bit between homeschooling kids travel, so it's just a general So when I first met you, about two years ago almost, I think yeah. it was, you were fostering, right? You had, you had a uh, foster? Yeah, that's a whole interesting story. My daughter, she went to grad school for social work up in upstate New York Yeah. because my father was on the board of trustees at Roberts Westland College. So she, uh, instead of going to UCF, which you know, it was the plan because it was virtually free. Yeah. Yeah, my dad was like, hey, she wants to go up here, I'll take care of the tuition. So we're like, okay, it's open. So she went up there, huge culture shock going to, you know, we dropped her off in January in Buffalo or in Rochester area, so that was interesting. <laughs> but she, uh, everybody was like, you're from Orlando and why are you here? So she um, ended up calling us one night and said, hey, uh, we've, you know, I met with this kid today. He's 15, he went to the foster system when he was eight. He's kind of like feels like no one's ever going to adopt him. He's feeling pretty down. And so, you know, we're like, okay, we'll pray for you. You know, the typical <laughs> response. And um, my wife the next day says, so have you ever thought about fostering? And I'm like, no. And, you know, it's funny because I said, well, let me pray about it. She says, I think we're being called to foster him. And I was like, really? So I said, let me pray about it. So, you know, I'm at work. And she tells me, well, I came back a week later. And um, Eric has a spreadsheet of pros and cons. <laughs> and, and so... Finally, I said, yeah, um, I think he's calling us to do it. So we didn't tell our daughter yeah. and actually yeah. went through the five-week training program and then just started pursuing it. And unfortunately, he got himself in trouble and ended up being sent to the juvenile detention center. But we was like, hey, we're all in still. So it took about a year. We went up and visited him three times in juvie. You know, he's behind barbed wire. I mean, it was, you know pretty serious yeah and I uh, talked to him every night for 10 minutes and I think we were kind of a light at the end of the tunnel for him to get out of there so he ended up coming down to us it was his first plane flight first time out of New York the good part was is that you know we really did try to instill quite a bit in him over the 14 months he was with us we were planning it to be a lifelong thing yeah but you know we took him to on a cruise to Mexico traveled to five different states did all sorts of things with him and the kid was actually uh, super sharp, just hadn't been given a chance, I and mean, he made the honor roll. But about a week before we were supposed to go through the adoption, 
he ends up, you know, I end up looking through his credit union account, and I'm seeing all this money being taken out. And I'm like, what's going on there? We're looking at his phone. And he had never been had any issues with this whatsoever. So I was almost like a perfect kid. And um, so I ended up confronting him on it. And he's like, he had taken out $300 over the course of a few weeks. And I was like, what are you, you know, what are you doing? Um, and he said, well, I, I bought stuff from my friends. I'm like, $300 of stuff from 7-Eleven from the ATM? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, uh, well, based on these texts back and forth with this kid, it looks like you're buying jewels, you're doing, getting, this, getting into all the stuff, you're underage. So basically I said, hey, you know, it's not the end of the world. My kids have gotten in trouble. You know, give me your ATM card. Give me your cell phone. We'll talk about it. We'll work through it. We're still planning to adopt you next week. I dropped him up at school, and uh, I got a call from the principal at 11 o'clock and said, Dakota's not on campus. We can't find him. We called the police. So I went out looking for him. Couldn't find him. I got home. He'd walked the five miles home, but he was up in his room, totally quiet, wouldn't talk. My wife came home, wouldn't talk to us. And, uh, you know, he didn't go to school the next day. He said he wanted to talk to my social worker. And uh, we ended up getting her out there. And she said, hey, you know, you've got this great opportunity. They've been working for over a year to get you here. You know, think it through for the weekend. And then let's talk Monday. And uh, over the weekend, I mean, the pastor, kids at school, all sorts of people were calling him up like, hey, you know, we really we like you. We want you to be here and all this. And, um, but it came down to it the next week, you know, he decided uh, he wanted to go back to New York. And, um, you know, we felt really sad for him because it was really a tough issue with the way he was, you know, all the abuse he had taken up until he was put in the system. Really had a hard time bonding. And it was interesting, like, he left three days before Christmas this past year. And, you know, we stay in contact with him. He still texts us or, or Snapchats us. And he's like, hey, Dad, hey, Mom, uh, can you help me with this? And so we still help him out with just, you know, advice. But he's um, and he's actually admitted, you know, I made a mistake in coming back up here. Which, you know, But we're still, even last week, we, we were talking about becoming a paramedic and giving him a vocation choice. And uh, I was looking up stuff online. And I'm like, here's the community college close to you. Here's what you need to do. Contact this. Here's how you get plugged into the program. So, yeah, we're still trying to input what we can. So that's the long story of the question. So what, if Holy Smokers or prospective Holy Smokers are listening to this episode and they're like, oh, I want to get plugged into Orlando, how would you recommend that they get plugged in? Well, we have, we're fortunate to have a subgroup. We're one of the few that have our own subgroup page. So that's special. Uh, outpost events local there, like this event I just described earlier to you, Steve. We post that on the national group in case that has an interest or, or value to anybody there. But we're fairly active. I also send out a little email. I know that not everybody's in the book of face, so we send out some emails and let folks know what's going on there. Yeah. But absolutely. If you're on the larger Holy Smokes group, start there and then uh, click down onto Eric or myself. Yeah. Give us a shout if you're coming to Orlando. Yeah. yeah. That's absolutely exactly how yeah. it should be done. I always need an excuse to leave. I tell my wife, I gotta go meet somebody. <laughs> so. Now, one of the things that we wanna do with the chapter features is talk about some of the stuff that you guys have done that has 
been successful in growing a chapter to try and give models to other people that are looking to start chapters in cities and towns that don't have a holy active Holy Smokes community. What kinds of tips would you recommend for people if they're looking to start a chapter? I mean, I think the first thing is if you've got your core group, just get that group to invite one person. And if they come and they see the camaraderie between faith and a cigar, and kind of like, you know, I know you've done one on the book, The Christian Gentleman's Guide to Smoking, but sitting down with people nowadays, just trying to get people focused for a short period of time is hard. Uh, when you've got a cigar and you've got an hour and a half and you sit down and you start talking and you start talking about real stuff, I mean, people don't find that anywhere else. So they're really like, they get energized by it. Yeah. They start inviting people. But yeah, I think that's the best place to do it is grow it organically. That I think way. I'm told Sigmund Freud is credited with saying sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. It's mostly a prop. It's a prop for conversations. Yeah. It's literally an excuse to slip away early and say, let me go catch up with some folks. And it really creates an environment. I always travel with a little slim kind of three-finger sleeve that it happened the other day. We were in Blue Ridge Parkway, North Carolina, outside of Asheville, just taking pictures, just absolutely enjoying the beautiful vista. And this other young couple were doing the same, taking pictures on the edge of the ridge. And he commented about how fabulous my cigar was. And I'm like, I have another one to share if you'd like, you know. Total stranger. Yeah. Helped yeah. himself this cigar and probably was going to enjoy it later on that evening but I think the ability to I find consistency is important too so we mapped out the calendar to let folks know if you can't make it on date this in August you know well, and even you have it the second or, you know what is it second Thursday of every month correct so yeah. it's, everybody knows it's gonna happen right we change up the venue we're ruined when it comes to how many spots we can go to but if you just find that that's not the case in your hometown then uh, we have seen some glorious backyards and man caves and eagles nests and bears dens in the last 24 hours. So uh, find a place that's hospitable, that's agreeable to cigar smoking. But it's, it's literally the occasion to have a meaningful conversation. I would initially pick a place and it was never going to be your wing house with TVs and go Packers or whatever. It was intentionally a place where you would have conversations and this just became the egg timer that said, here, we're here for two plus hours yeah. to have meaningful conversations. And I think to your point earlier, Eric, what happens to us a first timer inevitably is that was refreshingly different. In some cases, they want to know. I know that's true if I sat in on some years where it was intended to be hosted by one of your folks and they're like, that was different. I've come to this spot before and it's had a completely different vibe. And it was shallow and, you know, I had no reason to reach across to the guy across from me because he was Eric's friend, you know, or whatever. Yeah. That's not the case at all. Yeah. Not the experience. That's awesome. Well, thanks, guys, for being on. Holy Smokes Orlando, one of our more thriving groups across the nation. Come by and say hi if you're ever local. That's right. Thanks for listening to the Holy Smokes podcast. I want to thank you also for all the feedback that I've received about this show thus far. The encouraging notes, the suggestions, the thoughts have all been valued and appreciated more than you know. To let me know what you think, you can private message me at facebook.com slash steverider. That's facebook.com slash steve, R-E-I-T-E-R. 
or a private message through the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Holy Smokes Cigar Club, or send me an email at holysmokescigarclub at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. This is Steve Ryder saying, do good, be awesome. <laughs>